1: welcome once again to another episode of the sports beat with richard holdridge how is everybody doing out there in the chattahoochee valley just a reminder that you are listening to us on wqee 99.1 99.1 FM, the key out of Noonan, Georgia, brought to you by Ivy Park Sports Bar Grill. Go jump and slide inflatables. Christie's Cafe and the Man in the Mirror podcast. We've got a great show for you. I'm going to get into the Brian Harson firing at Auburn. There is a lot of buzz this morning on who could possibly replace him. I could actually have fun with the show and just throw out 20 candidates right now. This is the first of November. I'm excited as the calendar turns to November. We've got high school basketball media days is going on in East Alabama. We've got World Cup soccer at the end of the month and the World Series still going on, possibly even till November the 6th. It is a great time to be a sports fan. Let's get right into the show. This is episode 494 as I am approaching 500 episodes. I'm going to have Brad Page on the show. We are going to preview that Tennessee-Georgia game. Number one versus number two. That is an incredible matchup between two amazing teams in the SEC East that could implicate national championship outlooks. And it is possible that a one-loss team, a team that loses this game, could still make the college football playoff. Anything is possible. We had a rain out in the World Series last night. They're going to play game three tonight in Philly you got Lance McCoulters for Houston going up against Ranger Suarez for Philly. It's all knotted up at one apiece. I believe this is going to favor the Philadelphia Phillies because they play the next three games at home, and it's also going to reset their pitching. Anytime you have a rainout, this happened to the Phillies back in 2008. There was a rainout, and their pitcher had an extra day's rest. That could really help your number one and number two starter because then you could throw him in for possibly three games. Possibly a game seven, Aaron Nola. Helps the Astros too because now you could throw Justin Verlander for games four and game seven. The Atlanta Hawks get a tough break on the road. They have lost two straight. They lose to the Toronto Raptors 139-109. to Trey Young had a bad day shooting. Pascal Siakam for the Raptors. Had 31 points. He was one of the cornerstone pieces on the championship team that won the title in 2019. And the Raptors are a good team, and it's tough playing a good team on the road. The Hawks are 4-3. and three. They're getting ready to take on the New York Knicks at Madison Square Garden on Wednesday. An intriguing matchup because even though Trey Young had a very disappointing day, he was 3-13 of 13 and only scored 14 points. You know that Madison Square Garden is the place where he likes to shine the best. I'm guessing that he is going to have a bounce back game and the Hawks should get the victory over the Knicks. They're a little bit more talented, but if this is going to be an elite team, I want to see them get big road victories over playoff teams. The Toronto Raptors did make the playoffs last year, but I'm looking down their roster. This is a different team than the team that won the title in 19th. You know, they have Gary Trent Jr., Scotty Barnes. I didn't even see Fred Van Fleet. Is he still on the team? All right, let's go ahead and get into the firing of Brian Harson at the University of Auburn. He is the shortest tenure head coach in Auburn history. He's fired after a 9-12 record. They were 3-5. and I knew that the writing was on the wall when they got the new athletic director from Mississippi State, Cohen, and Brian Harson is out of a job. Now, I think that Harson is a good coach. I actually think that he could take the Georgia Tech job. I'll be honest with you. I think that Brian Harson should get an opportunity to coach somewhere whether it's Arizona State or Wisconsin or with or or Nebraska or even Georgia Tech. Now that we've gotten past this, now we could talk about who could possibly replace Brian Harson. And the list is continuing to grow. I saw a report later. I saw a report earlier this morning that Alabama offensive coordinator Bill O'Brien is merging as a candidate. But I think the realistic candidate is Dan Mullen because he worked with Cohen at Mississippi State, and he's coached in the SEC. But here's some of the candidates. Hugh Freeze. You've got Lane Kiffin. I know that Lane Kiffin is their first choice. I know he's doing some great things at Ole Miss, but how great would it be for Lane Kiffin to go back and forth with Nick Saban? That would just be incredible. But I think that Dion is a pipe dream. I don't think that Dion is going to go to Auburn because he put a lot of money into Jackson State. But as far as recruiting, uh, nobody is shining like Dion when it comes to recruiting. You get the number one recruit in the nation to Jackson State. That is incredible. So I don't think that Deion Sanders is going to come to Auburn. Uh, What about Matt Rule? I think he deserves another chance in college. Look at how he turned around Baylor. I think he could do the same with Auburn. I think that you also have Urban Meyer. Now, Urban Meyer knows how to win. He's coached in the SEC before. I think that Urban Meyer could turn around Auburn. It's not going to be easy. Whoever they get, they have to compete with Nick Saban at Alabama, Brian Kelly at LSU, Lane Kiffin, if he decides to stay at Ole Miss, you have Mike Leach at Mississippi State, you have Sam Pittman at Arkansas. Great coaches on the SEC West side. But on the SEC East, you still have Kirby Smart. You have Josh Heupel. Home run hires. The jury is still out on Billy Napier. I think that he can coach. I think that Florida is a couple years away. But the landscape of the SEC is not built for Auburn to sustain winning national championships, over and over and over again. Maybe the expectations at Auburn is to at least get to 10 wins in a bowl game. If they focus on that, then that is a good goal to have. But the SEC is brutal. Beat the teams you're supposed to beat. You're supposed to beat Arkansas at home. And that's why Coach Harson got the axe. But it was long before that. I know that they scheduled Penn State. Penn State was a good team coming to the Plains. And I think that... The fan base wanted him gone after the Penn State loss. And then the close win to Missouri. I think if Missouri beats Auburn, that Brian Harson would have been fired then and there. But they got it done so they could start the process to get a new coach in the system and start recruiting because National Signing Day is coming up in a month. All right, we did have a Monday night football game last night. And as hot as the Cincinnati Bengals were, they ran into a buzzsaw against the Cleveland Browns. the Browns were able to dominate the Bengals because two ingredients. They have a great run game with Nick Chubb. He had two touchdown runs. And they also have a D-line that sacked Joe Burrow five times. Joe Burrow didn't have a chance. And now, who wants to win this division? Because the Bengals are 4-4. Baltimore is in first place at 5-3. And they just got a little bit better with the signing of Roquan Smith. The Baltimore Ravens, who are a very well-run organization, do it again. And I think the Baltimore Ravens win this division. And they get back to the playoffs. Remember, they missed the playoffs with Lamar Jackson last year. If you look at the projections, I'm already looking at who could possibly be the top seeds in the AFC and the NFC. Right now, I think the Buffalo Bills are going to be the number 1 seed. I think the Kansas City Chiefs are going to be the number 2 seed. Baltimore is going to be the number three seed, and Tennessee is going to be the number four seed. So you have your division winners. This is where it gets interesting because what if Deshaun Watson comes back and the Cleveland Browns just win the rest of their games? They could sneak into the playoffs. You have two five-and-three teams in the AFC East, the Jets and the Dolphins, and the Patriots are four and four. There are going to be two playoff teams coming out of the AFC East. Whether it's the Jets and the Dolphins or the Patriots, I think the Patriots come out of the AFC East. The Chargers could sneak into the playoffs, although they missed the playoffs last year. So, really, the wild card teams are all up in the air. But I think because the most talented team is the Cincinnati Bengals, I think that Joe Burrow will get the Bengals into the wild card. Now, over to the NFC. The Philadelphia Eagles are going to be the number one seed by far. And then you have the Vikings that could be the number two seed. Right now, the Falcons would be the number four seed Seattle is five and three I don't know how long that's going to last they would be the number three seed Falcons would host a playoff game and they would be the number four seed it looks like all the wild card teams are going to come out of the NFC East so it's very important to win the division all right I think it's about that time to bring on my broadcast partner and co-host Corey Bank for the Daily Dash. we're going to recap some of those crazy NFL games on Sunday you don't want to miss it we will be back with Corey Stick around. Welcome back to the show. I've got my broadcast partner and co-host Corey Bank as we are on for the Daily Dash going to talk about some of the craziest NFL games. But Corey, wasn't that a crazy NFL weekend, especially that Carolina-Atlanta game? My word. It truly
0: was, Richard. It really is a year of parody all the different games and all these games going down to the wire and these outcomes this year, Richard.
1: We're going to start with that Carolina Atlanta game because Carolina had that game one. If DJ Moore does not take his helmet off in celebration and the Carolina kicker Pinheiro does not miss that 48 yard extra point, the Falcons lose this game in heartbreak. I mean, how could you let DJ Morris slip by you? He was double covered PJ Walker out of, a- all quarterbacks heaving it into the end zone. And I was actually watching this game on TV, gasping, thinking, I did not just witness that. That was like the craziest play. And the Falcons are going to lose this game in heartbreak fashion. Neither team deserved to win that game. I mean, you had an overtime interception by Marcus Mariota. Pinero misses a chip shot field goal in overtime, but the Falcons pull it out. I don't know how they pulled out that game. But a win is a win in Atlanta.
0: Absolutely, Richard. So, DJ Moore, like you said, Richard, hauled in that last-minute touchdown pass, but ripped off his helmet. Why? Why do you do that in the game? And that's something that is really troubling and a head-scratcher. But Carolina's Eddie Pinero missed a pair of potential game-winning kicks. I know his job's on the hot seat, Richard. Wow. And the Atlanta Falcons escaped with a victory that was improbable as they are at the top of their standings in the division. Who predicted this at this point in the year that that would happen? Now, young Huaku booted a 41-yard field goal in overtime, like you said, Richard, after a silly penalty by Moore. That opened the door for the Falcons to pull off a 37-34 victory Sunday that maintained their hold on the NFC South lead. Now, here's the thing. The team combined for three touchdowns in the final three minutes and six seconds of regulation, but it looked like the Panthers would prevail in stunning fashion when Moore hauled in a 62-yard scoring heave from P.J. Walker with 12 seconds remaining, tying the game at 34, with only an extra point needed to win it. But more, like you said, yanked off his helmet with the celebration that resulting in 15 yard unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. That's just stuff that you don't really see. But Carolina had another chance to win in OT. C.J. Henderson returned an interception 54 yards for the Falcons, but Panero botched yet another field goal, a wobbler, and that's not something you see every day. And Like you said, Richard, both these teams definitely didn't deserve to win this game. But in the Battle of the South, they really took care of business at the end of the game. And Dean Marlowe taking a more prominent role for the Falcons in the injury-depleted secondary. And that's something that remains to be seen with this Falcons team. They just need to keep on
1: grinding. The New York Jets lose to the New England Patriots once again. And Bill Belichick proves that he is the greatest coach of all time. The halftime adjustments. Zach Wilson getting picked off three times. You know, Bill Belichick owns these young quarterbacks. Corey, I thought that your Jets were going to pull this off. They were up 10 to 3, and they actually did intercept Mac Jones. And, you know, it went. No, I'm scratch. Yeah, scratch that. Yeah, they did intercept Mac Jones. They were up 10-3 to three with the ball. Bill Belichick making the defensive adjustments, and they pull off the victory in New York, 22-17. to 17. Corey, can this New York Jets team figure out how to beat the Patriots? I mean, they play them in two weeks in Foxborough.
0: It's very true, Richard. Bill Belichick's got the mind to be able to make those adjustments to beat the young quarterbacks. I don't know what it is. He looks at the game tendencies and knows that uh, – putting guys in the box, particularly five, six guys in the box, forcing the go east and west, seems to be the recipe for this defense of the Patriots. But the New England Patriots got back on track week eight as they rode a 16-7 to second and a half run to earn a 22-17 victory over the rival New York Jets to mark New England's 13th straight victory versus New York. I can't believe that. Like it's not very often that you see. If you if we're really gonna talk about this, Richard, we're really gonna go there. That's only that's six and a half years worth of games and division rival games. That's unreal. And the pa- Patriots are back up to four and four, while the Jets fell to five and three. With the victory, the Patriots head coach Bill Belichick now has 325 wins as a head coach, which ranks second most and NFL history, including postseason. But Mac Jones needed a big outing to quiet some of the Bailey's to pay noise. But he didn't exactly get that. He completed 24-35 for 194 yards, one touchdown, and one interception. He should have thrown multiple interceptions. But once pick six, which was a very co- questionable call in this ball game, Richard, On the roughing the passer call, changed the entire dynamic of the football game by calling that roughing the passer call. Ramondre Stevenson was the star of the show on the offense. The Patriots, 143 yards from scrimmage. Nick Folk was probably the MVP of this one. He went 5 of 5 for field goals. That is unbelievable. Now, without star rookie running back, Reese Hall, Zach Wilson struggled. He completed 20 of 41 for 355 and two touchdowns and three really ill advised throws for interceptions. Now, New York rushed for just 51 yards, and Wilson was unable to make some of the offensive production through the air. So, let's take a look at what went down on Sunday afternoon of the reason why this really didn't go well for the Jets now the Jets did go out and trade for James Robinson this past week after Hall went down with the season ending injury but it was understood and that this James Robinson was supposed to make an impact right away a plug and play player they got him from Jacksonville in his first year he was a thousand yard rusher but that didn't really matter And it just seems to be that Wilson continuing to complete 50% or less of his throws, we don't even know in New York if he is the right guy for the job.
1: The San Francisco 49ers continue to own the Los Angeles Rams in the regular season. It was the Christian McCaffrey show down at SoFi. A touchdown pass, touchdown run, touchdown catch. Corey, I'm a 49ers fan. I'm very skeptical. They're going into the bye. They're getting everybody back. Look out. The 4-4 four and four San Francisco 49ers. Going to make a bold prediction here, Corey. 49ers and Eagles in the NFC Championship.
0: Wow. What a prediction. It's, it's nice to know you got a lot of faith in your team. Wow, Richard. I don't even know what to say. What? I'll, I'll let you be happy with that one. So... In this game, in his second game of the 49er, Christian McCaffrey did something that had previously never been done in franchise history. And it's 76 year history, Richard, the former all-pro running back became the first 49er player in just fourth season four, in, in just the fourth since the 1970 merger to throw a touchdown pass, catch one, and run one. So that's something that is incredible. So McCaffrey joins the Hall of Fame running backs Walter Payton, like Tomlinson, and wide receiver David Patton in the history books as the only players to pull off the hat trick since that merger. The former All Pro amassed 149 yards a total of total yards on 24 touches, not including his 34 yard touchdown pass to Brittany Ayuk that got the 49ers on the board. So McCaffrey's effort was critical, given that the 49ers played with all-pro wideout diva Samuel, who was dealing with, as you know, Richard, a hamstring injury. But the visiting 49ers scored 24 unanswered points at the trailing 14-7 midway through the second quarter. McCaffrey made a nifty 9-yard touchdown catch from Jimmy Garoppolo with a minute 51 left, in the third quarter that gave the 49ers the lead for good after short touchdown run stretched San Francisco lead at the start of the fourth Garoppolo's 7 yard touchdown pass to George Kittle and the 49ers next drive sealed the deal and it was enough in this ball game in that regard and man i'm totally impressed with where they're looking this team at this point in time, Aaron Donald wasn't as much of a factor as I thought he would be. The All-Pro is one of the best pass rushers in the game. And it looks like they blocked him very well. He didn't really get inside of his rip moves, and he wasn't really as dynamic as he should in the football game. That's pretty impressive in that regard. So that's incredible what the 49ers are putting together.
1: But my early Super Bowl prediction is the Philadelphia Eagles versus the Buffalo Bills. Eagles get an impressive 35-13 win over the Pittsburgh Steelers, still undefeated in the NFL. Buffalo just continues to roll. They're, they beat the Green Bay Packers on the Sunday night football game, 27-17. to Corey, what, what's your thoughts on that prediction? I know it's early, but I think I just got a feeling it's going to be the Eagles and the Bills in the Super Bowl.
0: Well, those Eagles remain undefeated, and they've had excellent play. Now the Bills have a dynamic team, not only just Josh Allen. They have a great running game with Devin Singletary. They have a dynamic receiver by their Stefon Diggs. But at the other points of the game, their pass rush and their run defense is incredible. They're able to line things up for all their backers to fill the gaps. And both these teams right now, definitely front runners for that. So, right,
1: well, Oh, go ahead. Sorry.
0: So we're going to go leading in, Richard, to the Eagles or Steelers. Give us your updates.
1: Well, I mean, you, you look at the Philadelphia Eagles and what they've done so far. I mean, still undefeated. I mean, A.J. Brown, if you had him on your fantasy team. You had a great day. Hasn't he made a difference for Philly? now three touchdown receptions Jordan Davis does leave the game due to injury but you know the Eagles are going all in this year you got Roquan Smith or no not Roquan Smith Robert Quinn has been added to the mix I believe the Eagles are going to get the number one seed and that's why I think that they are going to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl Corey the NFC is down this year I mean That's why I think the 49ers will make it all the way to the NFC championship. I feel the Eagles will be the number one seed. The Vikings will be the number two seed. But somebody is going to knock off the Vikings in the divisional round. I think the Cowboys have a shot at making it to the NFC championship. There's just a lot of teams that this could be their year because the NFC is down. I mean, you look at Aaron Rodgers, three and five. Tom Brady, three and five. So
0: I think that Philly is going to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl. Very bold statement, Richard. So, the impact that the Eagles had against the Steelers. So, as the city embarks on its biggest sports week in decades, A.J. Brown got the fireworks going with a dominant performance to keep the Philadelphia Eagles to that unbeaten team in the NFL. Brown finished with a career-high three touchdowns. Wow. A convincing 35-13 victory over the Pittsburgh Steelers. Matching the best start in franchise history in his 90-year history, Richard. Wow. That is dynamic. Now, Brown finished the game with six catches for 156 yards and three scores, becoming the first Eagle player to have three receiving touchdowns since Riley Cooper in 2013. All of Brown's receiving touchdowns came in the first half as he also became the first Eagles player to have three receiving touchdowns in the first half since Kevin Curtis in 2007. Now that is a a feat that could be accomplished. Jalen Hurts finished the game 19-28 for 285 and four touchdowns. A 140.6 rating. That's something you don't really see in the NFL too often. Here's the thing. On the other side of the realm, you have Kenny Pickett, a struggling Steelers team, at, as you will this year. But there's no – there's they don't give up on their team. And they fight to the bitter end in that regard. There's not really much more to say about that Pittsburgh team besides that this is a transition year, and they're riding the wave with the rookie quarterback, Kenny Pickett.
1: As always, thank you so much just for being on the show for the Daily Dash. Uh, looking forward to uh... – Doing those college football picks with you tomorrow, including number one versus number two, Georgia and Tennessee. Absolutely, Richard.
0: Always a pleasure.
1: All right. That was my broadcast partner and co-host, Corey Bank for the Daily Dash. Stay tuned. We'll be back with Brad Page. You don't want to miss it. We're going to preview that Tennessee-Georgia game. Back with Brad. And we're back. I have got my former co-host of the Up All Night Show wearing his Rocky Top Orange the eve of this week. Number one versus number two. And we have no idea who's going to be number one and who's going to be number two when the college football rankings come out on, actually, later today, as this is going to be recorded on Tuesday. I've got Brad Page, lifelong Tennessee fan. I'm a transplant Georgia fan. I've only lived in Georgia since 2006. It's never been... In the history of Georgia, Tennessee, where we have number one versus number two. So, Brad, I'm telling you, I'm going to hype this thing up. And then I'm going to go to Walmart and I'm going to buy a Georgia hat because you are trying to outdo me, my friend. You got your Tennessee hat? You got mm-hmm. you got your Tennessee shirt? I mean, man, you must be just thrilled that Tennessee is in the position they are right now.
2: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, we, we, we never experienced anything like this in Tennessee. I mean, as long as I've been alive, really. I mean, uh, it's, it's such an exciting time man. I mean, just to see Tennessee get this far and I'm, I'm looking forward to the showdown in Athens. I know uh, Athens is always a tough place to play. I, I know Tennessee has a shot and they definitely have a chance See how it goes.
1: If Tennessee beats Georgia, does Hooker automatically
2: win the Heisman? I definitely would give him the Heisman. I mean, if you beat the number one team in the country, um, based on the wins that he was able to do, beating five ranked teams, um, and such a phenomenal year, putting up so many yards and really hasn't thrown a lot of interceptions, maybe two or three, I believe, um, He's had a phenomenal, phenomenal year, and I really believe, yeah. If he if he does beat Georgia, yeah, the Heisman is for sure.
1: Now Cedric Tillman did come back from injury in that Kentucky game, but they didn't utilize him that much. Wow, that <laughs> that receiving core with Jalen Hyatt and Cedric Tillman with the Georgia DBs. Hinton Hooker is going to be the most talented quarterback that Georgia, that Georgia defense is going to be faced all year. He could throw the ball over the top and you got two talented wide receivers. This Georgia defense is not the defense from last season. You know, all those players like N'Kobe Dean and Jordan Davis, and they all went to the NFL. Trayvon Walker. Yeah. The number one overall draft pick that went to the Jaguars. I mean, all those Defensive players are now in the NFL. This defense is not as good, but the offense is better. Did you see that acrobatic catch that Brock Bowers made against Florida? I missed it. I remember. Yeah, <laughs> but, I saw it, but, uh, I saw the highlights. I, mean, I was actually listening to the game on the radio.
2: Yeah, I think I think I might saw a highlight of it. How he stretched his hand, you know, at the you know at the end acrobatic acrobatic catch yes. and everything. But Bowers uh, is definitely one of those uh, phenomenal. Athletic tight ends, you know, Georgia has Darnell Washington It's another. They go. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Georgia's got such a great team. And Stetson Bennett, it's gonna be the best quarterback Tennessee will face so far this year.
1: Really? I I I can I mean, say over Bryce Young. Bryce. Young in that
2: conversation well, in that conversation? Bryce Young was still hurt, you know, it's Bennett of Ben haven't been hurt yet. And um I mean I guess I guess you just give you know that to him, but um, you know, I mean, Bryce Young's still coming off the that that injury, and you know? he didn't look hurt. I'm just didn't, saying, no, he did not look hurt at did all. Did not look hurt. He he had a he had a great game. He really did. Yeah, this is going to be the best team that Tennessee will face so far, I believe, besides Alabama.
1: Will Levis actually had three interceptions? I, I can't believe that this uh, guy is considered one of the top quarterbacks that's going to go in the NFL draft. I mean. How come Hendon Hooker is not getting more consideration for being one of the top quarterbacks to go in next year's draft? That's a good question.
2: Um, Well, you know, Levis had a great year last year. Um, You know, a a lot of people got to learn about Levis um, based on his performance last year. And Hooker was coming along last year. You know, a lot of people didn't know about Hooker because, you know, CNC uh, hadn't had such success. Uh, like, like they had this year. And um, I, I think uh, since Hooker – I mean, Levis has had more um, time for people getting to know him now. Now people know more about Hooker. Um, but, yeah, it, it is surprising. I mean, if it's mechanics that they're looking at or or, or, or what it is, you know, why they don't consider Hooker a, 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 a first-rounder or – well he's probably going to go maybe early second round
1: at best probably brad i'm going to give you a playoff scenario the loser of this tennessee georgia game finishes the regular season with one loss and could be in consideration still for a berth in the college football playoff what do you think
2: (laughs) yeah possible i mean um I think yeah, the uh, the loser of this game definitely has a chance to still go to the playoffs, uh, based on you know the uh, the resume and and, and everything. Um, I mean, especially Tennessee. I know they they may not win this game because um, it's going to be very very tough for them to. Um, but if they don't, I, if they finish out with one loss, I I really believe that they can get into the playoffs uh, based on any other one loss team based on the season that they've had beaten five ranked teams
1: mm-hmm. and yep. the
2: team right now has beaten five ranked teams.
1: No, no, uh, like,
2: like Tennessee has. So I definitely believe you got to put them in the, in the conversation.
1: Well, I know that I'm excited that Tennessee and Georgia are in this position because You probably are familiar with this. Of course, I'm wearing a Georgia t-shirt. I am a transplant Georgia fan. You know, I'm a Georgia fan. I've been, uh, you know, living in Georgia since 2006. I actually started out as a Tennessee fan when uh, we were students at Freed Hardman University. And why not? Tennessee was great. They just won the national championship. I arrived on the campus of Freed Hardman University in 1999 as Tennessee was defending their national championship and had a great season in 2001. I don't know if you remember that year. Didn't they like lose a game on the final uh, play? And they uh, should have should have played for the national championship, but they ended up playing uh, Michigan in the Citrus Bowl.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So well, Casey enough.
2: Clawson was the quarterback. Then. Casey Clawson, yes. yes, and he he's one of the best quarterbacks Tennessee has ever had. And Obviously. Travis
1: Henry, before he had 10 kids.
2: Mm-hmm. I remember uh, when Travis Henry played <laughs> Florida, and uh, he, uh, there was a Florida player who tried to tackle him, but he jumped over him. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. and So, uh, and I do remember that image and everything, and that was down there in the swamp. Um, but, yeah, it's such a great season, um, you know, in 2001 and the early 2000s That Tennessee was good. Um but then they just slowly declined as the years have gone by, um, especially probably until 2008, you know, when Fulmer had his last year. Then you have Kiffin, and he got him to 7-5. And then from there, uh, after Kiffin left and goes to, go to the USC, that's where you have the carousel of coaches come in with Dooley and Butch and Pruitt and everything. Mm-hmm. And finally, we got Josh, and I think Josh Hobble is such – a great coach,
1: home run hire. Yeah,
2: I mean, honestly, when um when I found out that they were getting Heppel, I just didn't know much about this guy, but I knew that he could score points, and that's what Tennessee needed. They needed a new identity, they needed a new image, and and, and finally somebody uh, to uh, to compete, you know, in the, in the SEC. <clears throat>
1: I actually do think that uh, with the with the landscape of college football, and you always talk about these home run hires. I mean, recently Brian Harson just got fired at the University of Auburn, and they're throwing Dion and Urban Meyer. I mean, Matt Rule. Uh, man, there's just a – they've got like a list of like 20 names. It's all a yeah. wish list of all these – yeah. Coaches that are gonna turn around Auburn. They they gotta get the offense right. You gotta get a quarterback. You've gotta catch lightning in a bottle. You gotta get like a Joe Brady type that just is an offensive genius. And you gotta get a five star quarterback. You gotta right. get somebody that is going to lead that offense. Because if you get that right, then Auburn can compete with anybody because they do have the tools and resources to compete in the SEC. It's just that it's been a disastrous season for coach Harson and yeah. that, that whole staff, you know, it just it was not good and he had a terrible off season too. But I'm glad that Tennessee got the the hire right for their uh, head coach cuz Josh Heupel looks like uh what do you think? contract extension? I mean, let's not get too Absolutely. ahead of ourselves, maybe yeah. a contract extension but Yeah. I don't know. If things if things turn south in a couple of years, you don't want that buyout to be too
2: much. Right. I think they are going to extend him, um, no matter what, but probably not too too far, I guess. Because I know some, I've heard some uh, NFL code NFL teams are looking at hyper, You know, ooh, so, yeah, I mean, wow, it's, yeah. So, but I don't, I don't see him leaving. I just don't see him leaving right now. And um, well,
1: you can know, you believe looking, this? Yeah, Jimbo Fisher is on the hot seat.
2: Yeah, definitely. Yeah,
1: yeah. Hmm. I mean man so i brad i am so excited about uh this saturday the 330 game on cbs number one georgia or tennessee versus number two georgia or tennessee (laughs) in athens between the hedges this is such a perfect matchup the only thing that would be better if they just had a different color commentator. I'm not a big fan of Gary Danielson. Uh, yeah, uh, I don't really know who either. would he who <laughs> would he favor. Like who is he biased towards? Because, you know, I have ties to George and Tennessee. I want to see them both do good. And so it's gonna feel awkward listening to the game and, and really just complimenting both teams.
2: Yeah, I know. Um, I know I know he always praises Alabama when Alabama plays or um maybe LSU or somebody like that, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I miss Vern. Vern Lundquist was great. You know, I think Brad Nessler does a good job at Vern. He does. Yeah, yeah. He absolutely does. It was, it was, it was nice listening listen to Vern for a while and everything, and I know uh, Danielson can get annoying at times, but I know it's going to be a great game because the georgia tennessee always usually comes down to a final play. You know what happened in 2016. Oh, boy. You know, you want to <laughs> you talk about happened? that? Jim- that, Jim- reminded me the,
1: that reminded yeah. me of the Hail Mary catch in the Atlanta-Carolina game on Sunday. Wow. Right,
2: right, right. So. Jawan
1: Jennings right in the back of the end zone. Josh yep. Dobbs,
2: heartbreaking.
1: Yep. Georgia's had some heartbreaking losses, but
2: on the flip two. side,
1: Georgia has yep. Uh, yep. broke the hearts of Tennessee yep. fans. Uh, yep. 2001, the hobnail boot. Right, right, right. 2005, I believe, uh, you know, 2004, uh, Tennessee upset number three ranked Georgia in Athens. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it is kind of gone mm-hmm. back and forth, but this is the first time, I believe. I'm going to have to go check in the record books. This is the first time that Georgia and Tennessee both are ranked number one and number two, right?
2: I would believe so. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, I never believe, I mean, I never remember Tennessee for being one or two. For a long time. I mean, you probably had to go back to the 50s or or, or even before that, probably. Um, Maybe early 80s, but yeah. (laughs) It's a a sign time, and it's going to be such a good game. Uh, I'm glad that Tennessee's defense is finally showing up because they showed up in that Kentucky game, and they're going to have to bring that same kind of defense to Georgia because – you know, I mean, we know what Georgia has, you know, we, we know we, they do have a, you know, a great uh, lead quarterback in, in Bennett and great tight ends, great running backs. They're, you know, the defense is really going to have to clamp down on them. And, and of course, the offense has got to do their thing. Um, I think Tillman was getting in the groove against Kentucky after being back, you know, and um, Tillman will have to get going. Hyatt definitely had to get going. Um but, but, but hopefully, hopefully it will be a good game. But um, I, I I do feel I do better about our defense based on what I saw against Kentucky. Granted, it is Kentucky, but at least I know what the defense can do. I know that that defensive line can hopefully get some pressure, and that's what they're going to have to do, you know, uh, yeah. definitely to get pressure on, on Bennett. And, you know, Bennett had a lot of pressure with Missouri. You know, Missouri got a lot of pressure um, on him when they played. So, Let's we'll see what happens.
1: But I do want to remind you, Brad, that this is a home game for Georgia. Yeah. So that yep. vulnerability, you know, that was Missouri on the road, hostile yep. environment.
2: That's true. Uh, That's true.
1: Georgia has the. It, it really. They have had. Uh, that was really the last time they had a night game on the road because they got a huge break when they got to play South Carolina yep. at noon in Columbia. The Oregon game was a neutral field. You know, Bo Nix is talking trash. He says, you know, the, if if Georgia played Oregon again, it would not be forty nine to three. Uh, Georgia has mm-hmm. Georgia actually struggled against Kent State. It was just a very tricky game. Missouri was almost a loss, but they rode the ship. They beat Auburn forty two to ten. That was at home. Vanderbilt fifty five nothing. That was at home. But really, I what game? Okay, so the game that really put Tennessee on the map. It really got everybody's attention was the blowout game against LSU.
2: Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, yeah. it's, it, it's always a tough protest going down to LSU, and yeah, for the way that they dominated that game, it gave them the confidence to go into out, you know, to go up against Alabama back in the and everything. And yeah, that is the best road win that they've had since Pitt, you know, this year. Um, and so, I mean, Athens is is loud. I mean, it may not be as loud as Neelon, but I know I know it's but gonna be loud. They can win there. They've
1: done it before.
2: Yeah, exactly. Uh, so yeah, it's very possible, but it's it's gonna be tough, um, especially going up. A, you know, probably probably the best quarterback besides Bryce Young and about um, that they face so far. <clears throat>
1: The thing about Stetson Bennett, he's 25 years old. He's older than 11 starting quarterbacks in the NFL. Uh, look, I was a 26-year-old student that returned to Freed Hardman University. I was dominating intramural sports yeah, yeah, at 26, yeah. like up yeah. against a bunch of 18- and 19-year-olds. Yeah, yeah, Stetson Bennett is just a man playing against boys. 25 right. years old. I mean, he is right, seasoned. Right. He's been in college for like seven years, so he has the IQ to read defenses, to do checkdowns, to get out of, you know, blitz packages. That's what Stetson has going for him. But the, you know, out-dueling a quarterback like Hendon Hooker, let's say Hendon Hooker gets hot and Tennessee is just marching up and down the field on the Georgia defense. Can Stetson Bennett get in a shootout with Hendon Hooker?
2: It's possible, very possible. I mean, I, I don't know if they just have the firepower, you know, to, to compete with Tennessee. I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's possible, you know, you know, since it's been it and since he knows how to read defenses and um, he knows how to get that team going. Um, the thing is, Tennessee's going to have a big lead. You know, they're going to lose back to score at least 30 or 40 to win this game. They're, you know, they're they're going to play their game like they usually do, you know, run up the score, score as fast as they can, and see if the other team can catch up. And yeah, it is it is possible with being it, you know, based on the experience he has, and the uh, the weapons he has there.
1: All right, Brad, I want you to give me a score prediction. Oh man, this is tough. <laughs> You can pick Tennessee if you want. I mean, I'm just I'm just letting you know. I'm picking Georgia.
2: I know you are, and I am leaning toward Georgia. Actually, since it's Ooh, played
1: at home, yes, since they
2: have the energy going for Georgia. It breaks my heart to say it, but I really believe that Georgia can pull it out since they have the home crowd, the energy. They're going to be riled up. But well, let's uh, say.
1: Yeah. Let's say Tennessee does pull off the upset. And it will mm-hmm. be an upset. Georgia's slightly – well, they're favored by like nine and a half. Right. That line right. started at 13. Mm-hmm. It's continuing to go down. Yeah, yeah. Tennessee pulls off the upset and beats Georgia. I'm calling it. They're winning the national championship.
2: Absolutely. And they'll beat that, Alabama. That's or, a team
1: of destiny right there if you beat Georgia. Yeah.
2: yeah. They'll so, beat either Alabama or LSU into the – SEC championship. Yeah, c-
1: exactly cuz Alabama yeah. has to play LSU at Death Valley at night. Right. right. Alabama right. could right. lose that game.
2: Right. right. That give them two losses. And uh I'm trying to think if they went to the playoffs with two losses before. They never went. No, they they yeah. never did. Or or they sure, lose two losses once on and got yeah. in there. I don't know, but yeah. LSU did yeah. Uh, yeah. back
1: in 2007. The only yeah. two-loss uh, yeah, team yeah, yeah, that won yeah. the national championship. Yeah, right, we don't right. talk about that.
0: Right.
1: Um, so, uh, well, let's go ahead and shift gears and <laughs> talk right. about your Tennessee Titans. <clears throat> all right. Wow, five and two. Derrick Henry. You know, when yeah. when all else fails, yeah, you got Malik Willis at quarterback. He doesn't have to do much. The defense. Was suffocating against the Texans. Luckily, uh the the guy I was playing in fantasy football had the Titans defense. It wasn't an overwhelming defense that gave him the win for that week, but still a defense that shut down the Texans. And the it looks like the Titans are running away with this division because you look at the Colts have kind of gave up on the season, you know, benching yeah. Matt Ryan. Right. Jacksonville, they started two and one. They right. are struggling. Five straight losses. Yeah. I mean, it looks like it's Tennessee, and I'm looking at like an early uh, projection for the playoffs. Obviously, Buffalo is going to be the number one seed. I think Kansas City is yeah. going to be the number two seed. It's a toss-up between Cincinnati and Tennessee of who wants that number three seed. Titans will host a playoff game, but you know that in, in the divisional round, they're going to have to go on the road against Buffalo or Kansas City. But right. uh, my word. What a Sunday night game between the Titans and the Chiefs. I know that they actually do very well against mm-hmm. the Chiefs. This is a rematch of the 2020 AFC Championship game mm-hmm. where we thought that they were just going to give Derrick Henry the ball. He was going to rush for like 250 yards, but the Kansas City actually came back in that game. Yep. Yep. you know The Titans are showing no A.J. Brown, no Julio Jones. Still a great team. Just give the ball to Derrick Henry. Doesn't really matter who's that quarterback. It could be Ryan Tannehill. It could be Malik Willis. You know, preferably maybe maybe just let Malik Willis just start.
2: You know, Vince Young got to the playoffs with the Titans. Yeah, he did. He did. Um, I, I was happy for Willis. I mean, um, you know, his very first start. Not many, not many quarterbacks, rookie quarterbacks, win their first game. You know, as you know, starting. And, uh, you know, I thought he did some good things. There's definitely some things he can learn from. But the more and more you do it, um, you know, he's going to get that experience and learn how to play better. Um, The Titans, uh, I believe their team is just built off their defense. Their defense is really going to carry the team. Uh, Since we really don't have the offensive weapon like A.J. Brown, Julio Jones from last year. Um, But, um, you know, Austin Hooper's playing great. Uh, Robert Woods is helping out a lot, and of course you got uh, Derek Henry, you know. Um, but yeah, ho- hopefully they can get this going. And yeah, it's going to be a heck of a game uh, Sunday night for sure, because when Titans go and Chiefs go, you know, it's it's you know it's usually a good uh, showdown.
1: <clears throat> I cannot wait. Um, very excited about um, just everything that's going on in yeah. sports uh brad um man as always i mean i, I appreciate you coming on the show uh you like uh, the the new uh format with the yeah, logo yeah, and the yeah, in the... yeah i love it man what's
2: good yeah we
1: gotta, we <laughs> yeah. gotta just make it happen you know you rocking yeah. the tennessee <laughs> shirt i'm rocking the georgia shirt and <laughs> you know i'm just gonna say go dogs
2: uh yeah well go balls rocky top you know yeah, rocky I mean, top I mean, yeah we just latest- you know, this is
1: a this is a very underappreciated rivalry because these are <laughs> these are border states.
2: Yeah. Well, and I've
1: got I got ties. To, I lived in Tennessee and I now live in Georgia. So
2: this up is a rivalry yeah. that people don't
1: talk about that much.
2: Growing up in the 90s, Tennessee dominated Georgia. I mean, this call it what That's it is. That's true. Yeah. Call they, it they, what it is. The Jim Donoghue's Ray Golf. Dominated. You know, when I first started following Tennessee football, they always dominated Georgia. They also dominated Alabama a little bit too yeah. back then and everything. And, and recently, uh, Georgia has just gotten, you know, such to be uh, a powerhouse. And um, they, they have dominated Tennessee over the past few years for sure. Um, if you look at this game – Throughout the uh, rankings, like two or three years ago, Tennessee would probably lose this game by thirty points or so. I mean, just call it what it is, you know. Because yeah. we knew, you know, we knew we weren't going to beat Georgia, and we're looking down the schedule. Okay, can we still beat Kentucky and Vandy to get to a bowl? Now we don't have to worry about that, you know. I mean, you know, the stakes are very high now, and uh, yeah, it's uh, things definitely have turned around. But, yeah, this rivalry, it's it's starting to become, you know, kind of a new rivalry, I guess, you know. I mean, I think the best rivalry with Tennessee is Alabama, then you get to Florida, then you probably get to Georgia or maybe Kentucky or, you know, uh, with those.
1: Well, I mean, for Georgia, the rivalries um, it's Florida. I mean – Absolutely. Just beating Florida is just such, you got to remember from 1990 to 2010, Georgia only beat Florida three times. Now they have beaten them eight out of the last 12 years. So every three years, Georgia beats Florida twice. And even though they had a 28 to three lead at the half, and I was thinking, oh boy, (laughs) when Florida cut it to 28 to 20, I'm like, please don't tell me that Georgia is going to blow a 28 to three. We'll never live this down. Especially if you are a Georgia and a Falcons fan,
2: yeah. I was. I, I mean, I didn't watch the whole game, but I was catching a glimpse of it. You know, and then when I saw it score, like, you know, yeah, Georgia, Georgia is vulnerable. I mean, I mean, they can be beat, definitely, but um, but they know how to pull away. You know, they do have the talent and experience, and you know, just to, to pull out, pull away at the right time. You know, when they need to.
1: I think the key in this game is if Tennessee's defense can stop Georgia. All they got to do is get a couple stops because I think that Tennessee is going to be able to move the ball on Georgia's defense. I think yeah, that Hendon Hooker is good for throwing it into in the, to the air for Jalen Hyatt, Cedric Tillman. He's going to test those corners. Yeah. And I think that Hendon uh, Hooker, who's very efficient, he only has, what, one pick all year? Right. Or two picks. I can't, I got to look at the stats. Yeah. He's a very efficient quarterback. If Tennessee does not make the big mistakes, they're going to be in this game in the fourth quarter.
2: Yeah. And I thought, I thought the secondary played really well against uh, Kentucky. Um, Definitely a slaughter. He had a great game. He had a phenomenal hit. I I don't know who it, who it was on, but he just crushed this guy, you Mm -hmm. know, and uh, I saw that. He fumbled or whatever, you know, just, You know, just the the intensity and um, plays like that is what Tennessee is going to bring, uh, definitely Saturday. And, uh, yeah, hopefully this this defense can keep improving. We know what the offense can do, but like you said, it is on the defense because they got to get pressure on Bennett. They got to stop the running game. They got to make Bennett beat them, really, you know, and um, we'll see how it goes.
1: Brad, I appreciate you being a guest on the show on the week of Georgia and Tennessee. Always a fun time when I have you on the show. And I hope that you enjoy the video podcast, which is going to be on Facebook, uh, not live. This is actually pre-recorded. It'll be on YouTube, my uh, Facebook page. So check it out. i um, going to go ahead and post the link to the Up All Night Show page. All you Up All Night Show fans <laughs> can uh, get, man, I can't believe it's been like, was it 2020 years? Seems 22 like. <laughs> years. We did the Up, Up on Night show in 2000.
2: Yeah, 22, like 22 years. years. 22 years. Yeah, yeah that's right. Man, <laughs> telling <Yeah>. you, I <sighs> wow, anyway. yeah, these are definitely uh flown by and change you know, when we yep. did in that little studio there, and um, I guess it was or whatever, yeah, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> Great great times. Great
1: times, times, yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: yeah. All right. Well, that's all the time I have here on the show. Thank you, everybody, for listening to another episode of The Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. Hope everybody has a great rest of your day.
0: You've been listening to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. We invite you to download and subscribe. You can find us on Anchor, Spotify, Google Cast.